0: good morning it is tuesday the 7th of june 2022 i'm carmen laverge you are listening to mornings with carmen on faith radio uh and we appreciate your technology prayers today you know some of the things that go on invisibly behind the seams s- seems <laughs> pay no attention to those know. things behind the board i don't know what's <laughs> i don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but behind the scenes Um, Paul is working a brand new system today, and so we are so grateful and thankful for every person who has contributed over the years to Faith Radio. This is a listener-supported network, and one of the things that your gifts make possible are improved technology. And so I'm thankful today for every single person who's listening who is also contributing to this ministry um, and if you've said to yourself, you know what, I love this ministry and I want to be supportive of it as well, you can do that at myfaithradio.com. Or I think you can probably text the word give to 877-933-2484. So thank you to those of you who've given in the past making, you're saying to yourself, why did we need new, de- new technology? Because technology um, gets old. I don't know how else to say that. Better, better technology is required and today we have it. So there you go. dun. Dun, dun. Um, Let's see. President Joe Biden has enacted the Defense Production Act to waive tariffs on solar panels imported from China, and seemingly no one but China is happy about it. Uh, That's something to watch, in part because the Biden administration has, to this point, utterly failed to explain um, why the Defense Production Act uh, is being enacted on this particular front. What is the... Emergency, the national emergency that has resulted in the enactment of the Defense Production Act in relationship to waiving tariffs on solar panels imported from China. You can imagine that U.S. manufacturers um, of all things solar, in terms of capturing, um, storing, and transmitting solar energy, are very upset because the Chinese are manufacturing parts and pieces um, with slave labor, and therefore it's very cheap for them to do so compared to the expense of paying U.S. workers to do the same thing. So there you go. People are upset about that. Probably a good thing to know about today. Um, On the same Defense Production Act front, interesting to note that Abbott Nutrition is reopening its baby formula manufacturing facility in Sturgis, Michigan, Um, That is the plant that was at the center of national attention, uh, resulting in at least part of the reason we have been experiencing an infant formula shortage. I did find out it's not a baby formula shortage so much as it is an infant formula shortage, and the two are different. Um, Now, just because the factory is back online does not mean that, you know, tomorrow uh, shelves will be full. It takes longer than that to produce, package, distribute or ship and distribute uh, baby formula, and so as you know, the supply chain concern will remain front and center on that uh, on that issue as well. But the good news is, you know, there's hope on the horizon. Um, we will learn today whether or not voters in California have reached a tipping point uh, and are ready to replace Democrats who have failed at some of the most fundamental levels of governance. Uh, the city of Los Angeles uh, is looking to elect, in all likelihood. A Republican as their mayor, that would be a massive change in the four million uh in the city of four million and then they are also going to consider uh whether or not to recall the city's liberal prosecutor George Gascon. You may have seen um very disturbing video of a sixteen year old in a stolen vehicle uh targeting and running down a a mother and her eight month old uh, child in a stroller. Um, in uh, in a video, um, that young man was um, already uh, a felon. Um, and George Gascon thought that sending him to the equivalent of like summer camp, it's a youth diversion program for a few months, um, would be sufficient. And people are very, very upset. I mean, he, he sought to kill this woman and her child in front of a lot of other people. Um, and so I think people have reached the tipping point in terms of feeling like it's not safe to walk on the streets in some uh, California cities. Uh, San Francisco is going to consider today whether or not to recall their very very progressive uh, uh, district attorney as well. So that is going on um, in California, and it will be interesting to see what happens there if they you know, recognize that you can't just let law- lawlessness. Uh, I mean, there's a reason that we have laws, right? I mean, even God knows we need laws. Like literally, God knows. Like we are a people unconstrained, and therefore, you know, we have laws. Good ones are better, and and justice is important. All right, um, we got Nick Pitts up next. We got a ton of things to talk with him about. Uh, Nick and I are going to focus on some recent polling in relationship to abortion, and one of the questions is this: Does my faith inform? my understanding of life and who is sovereign over it? That's really going to be the question we're going to be asking, because there's a big disconnect in America on that question. Nick Pitts up next. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. And it's a- Nick Pitts is back. He's a fellow at the Institute for Global Engagement. Good morning, sir.
2: Good morning, Carmen. How are you?
0: I I am well. I am well. I live in one of those places where the sun's still shining when I go to bed because I go to bed so early because I get up so early. So I don't know. There you go. Um, Let's talk about polling in relationship to abortion. There seems to be a pretty good disconnect between you know the percentage of americans who profess to be christians and or people of uh, of a pro life faith or a faith that would lead you to be pro life and yet our faith in practice in terms of our support of abortion
2: yeah we've kind of touched we've kind of seen a little bit of research around this for years now carenet has done a lot of great work in this regard and in that they've highlighted a very troubling and sad trend within the abortion industry, namely that you have approximately 40 to 50 percent of the abortions being performed here in the U.S., being performed on individuals that identify as church-going citizens. And so before we even look at belief, when we just look at the action right now, you've got a number of people from a faith perspective, at least they self-identify as, that are undergoing, um, that are perform, are getting abortions, and then what we're seeing now with the research that you're illuminating is that this is this is just part of kind of the thinking that Amer- that the American Christian has relative to abortion and biblical narrative.
0: I think, um, Nick, it, it's troubling to me that uh, our maybe our Americanism is informing us on this instead of our. Um, our Christian understanding, our understanding of who we are as image bearers of the living God, who God is as a sovereign, uh, as the sovereign giver of life. Um, because this idea that my body is mine, and um, and I could choose as a woman, um, what to do with another life that might be conceived in my body. Like, that's just so contrary to a gospel worldview that recognizes that God is uh, the giver of life.
2: Oh, yeah, I completely agree. Jonathan Haidt's done a lot of great research on this in his book, The Righteous Divide. He talks about how uh, we aren't just rational beings, but we're more or less emotional beings in that regard, that when we come to particular positions that we hold, regardless of whether it's abortion or just the preference relative to peanut butter, we often find our own uh, selective exposure. We choose our own sources to be able to back our way into the positions that we prefer. We rarely think our way to particular positions. We more or less are just backing our way into our preferred positions and selectively exposing ourselves to information that confirms the position that we want to hold. And unfortunately, what we're seeing within um, the body of Christ and within Christians here in the U.S. is that it's one thing to be able to say that you're against abortion and to do everything you can to support that mother and to support that child as they make their way through the nine months in the womb and then afterwards. It's another thing to actually do that Um, when um, the cameras aren't on or when the when it turns, when it moves from just being a conversation and a discussion to actually being reality.
0: Mm. Okay, that Jonathan Haidt um, uh, You know, quote or messaging. Can you repeat that? Because this backing into something by relying on information that confirms, you know, whatever my particular bias or prejudice is versus thinking my way into a position, um, adopting the mind of Christ and applying it to the matters of the day. I, that is so good. Can you can you oh, walk yeah. around in that one more time?
2: Oh, yeah. So Jonathan Hyatt, I highly recommend anything that he writes. I mean, if he published his grocery list, I would um, I would read that uh, his uh, most famous book is The Righteous Divide. That's that's where this thinking comes from. He's got some great stuff. He, he wrote the uh, book Coddling of the American Mind as well. Um, and so what we're seeing today, though, is that Americans and really just a part of our kind of our process of how we've become who we are is the reality that we very rarely will think our way into a particular position. More often than not, we're individuals that have, we've already arrived at positions that we prefer based on experience and circumstance. And we selectively expose ourselves to evidences and information that confirms that position. So we're not making our way to moral ends. We're more or less backing our way to uh, making a moral justification in case to ends that we already prefer. And that's why I think it's so important. I think the biblical narrative is just replete with ideas of living in community, of calling on counselors, there being wisdom in counsel in a group of advisors, because at the end of the day, our feelings are just as broken as our thinking sometimes we like to think that oh if i just think more rationally about this i'll act more righteously when in reality our thinking is just as broken as our feelings and we need to be we need to be surrounding ourselves with individuals to recognize that our moral intuitions more or less are formed by a lot of the feelings that based on the experiences that we're in and we need to surround ourselves with people to help us think through things well and also in light of how do we apply, Carmen, as you say so well, how do you apply the mind of Christ to these issues of the day and then issues that you're experiencing personally during the day?
0: I haven't heard anybody talk about this, um, Nick, but one of the things I'm thinking about, and we don't have time to talk about it this morning, but I just want to set it out there maybe as a future conversation topic, Um As one of our listeners just pointed out on the text line, you know, the problem is not abortion. The problem is morality, Um, you know, sexual confusion, sexual brokenness, sexual liberty. It's also, you know, the problem of access to a tool, to a weapon that takes the life of another. I see a parallel. I see a parallel conversation between the conversation that we're having about guns in this country and the conversation we're having about abortion. But different people are defending different rights Um, as you know as paramount Um, and the rights conversation and what you think you have the right to possess use do um, is I think the conversation of the day and what is forming our moral um, intuition in relationship to those we talk about gun culture we also talk about the culture of death and we often Mm -hmm. talk about the culture of death in relationship to abortion and maybe as pro-life Christians, we need to also start talking about the culture of death in relationship to, you know, the, the now number one killer of children in America outside the womb. We have a uh, number one killer of children in America inside the womb, and we now have a number one killer of children in America outside the womb. One is abortion and one is guns. And, um, and I'm a gun owner. I think guns. I mean, I am a supporter of the Second Amendment. I also think we have a real gun problem in America.
2: Yeah, Graham Wood eliminates this really well. We don't have a gun problem. We have a gun culture here in the U.S. And in that gun culture, where you have upwards of 400 million guns and 100 million people that own guns, including ourselves, we recognize that what you're putting – for some, it's it's a good person that's going to stop an evil situation. But for a lot of people, and even a minuscule amount, is what we're seeing with the research, it can be really problematic, not just from a school shooting standpoint, but also more prevalent uh, from, a, from a suicide standpoint, from a, um, a street conflict standpoint. We're seeing very big problems that we need to be applying the mind of Christ to to recognize, okay, this is the situation on the ground. Well, how can I... what can can it look like for me to figure out how does the righteous live by faith relative to this particular position?
0: Safe, legal, and rare. I'm just Mm -hmm. wondering what it might look like to have a conversation about both of these things being safe, legal, and rare. All right, Mm -hmm. there you go. Carmen's two two cents on that this morning. (laughs) Nick Pitts and I are going to continue our conversation in just a moment. There's so much gay media. It's a little bit overwhelming this Pride Month, so we're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about some Really wonderful guys on the, uh, uh, on the Tampa Bay Rays who said, "You know what? I'm not wearing that gay pride uniform. That's up next or on mornings with Carmen.: There's always a reason to always choose joy. There's something deeper that the world can't destroy. Smile when you think you can. Continuing our conversation with Nick Pitts uh, from the Institute for Global Engagement. Um, All right. There's a lot of gay media right now. I um, watched a little television over the weekend. I was I I was frankly overwhelmed at the advertising lineups, Generation Drag, Trixie Motel, The Book of Queer. Like I I, I didn't even know people were interested in such things, engaged in such things and certainly not interested in watching um, series length programming on such things. Um, Sirius XM launched a country pride channel country music has gone gay like just a lot going on people of faith however in some places and in some cases are taking a stand.
2: Yeah, you know it's uh, it's really fascinating. You know, it's always you can always tell that it's a uh, it's come to a point where comedians of all stripes and from various different ideological perspectives start making fun of it. And so, uh, even in the first few days of Pride Month, comedians were offering up uh, uh, their uh, kind of hilarious takes on Pride Month and the links that companies are going to show their inclusivity. But um, I even saw John Crist, who's a Nashville comedian, came out and was trying to. Ha- enjoy a a game of golf. He said, they've even come out here on the golf course. And he pointed to the rainbow that was eliminating the golf course (laughs) because of the storm that had just passed. But, Nevertheless, there, uh, there have been uh, a few Tampa Bay Rays, um, Major League Baseball players, that have come out um, and just said we, we love and we support our uh, fellow. We love and support um, gay people or trans people, and the LGBTQI uh, movement, but we refuse to wear the patch that all the Tampa Bay Rays, Major League Baseball team, had put on their jerseys. And that caused quite a stir because of them taking a stand for their faith in this regard.
0: So um, talk with us about what these guys said when they were asked, because subsequently, um, you know, they were accused of, you know, being haters. And that's I, I feel like they were very articulate in their response.
2: Oh, yeah. So they came out and they, uh, I'll read part of the quote. They say, quote, because ultimately we said what we want to is them to know that they're all welcome and loved here. And when we put it on our bodies, we think a lot of guys decided that it's just a lifestyle that maybe that they look down on or think differently. It's just that maybe we don't want to encourage it if we believe in Jesus who's encouraged us to live a lifestyle that it was abstain from that behavior. Just like Jesus encourages me as a heterosexual man to abstain from sex outside of the confines of marriage, it's no different. So, on the one hand he he has he has done uh, these raised players released a statement through one particular player, and I think it was around five or six players and what and what they said is they wanted to they wanted to assert and they wanted to stress two particular things: one, how loving, how accepting, how how grateful they are, and how they want lgbtp people to feel welcomed and loved. But also that they are not endorsing this particular way of life relative to sexual, um, uh, relative to their sexuality. And I think it was so important in that regard that they didn't just isolate the homosexual sin of what they would say is living out a prideful life. But also the piece of wanting to maintain that the to keep the marriage bed undefiled is what the writer of Hebrews would say in Hebrews 13 forward, of wanting to maintain sexual purity within the marriage heterosexual construct as well, which I thought was very, uh, very pertinent and, and pertinent as well.
0: So um, circling back briefly, uh, Nick, to the conversation about um abortion and gun control. Somebody else also kicked in uh, the quote unquote right to die um, and access to um, suicide through doctors and drugs, um, thinking that's an important part of the conversation as well. And then, uh, you know, somebody else saying it's not, um, you know, it's not the uh, uh, access to abortions. It's not the access to guns. It's the human beings. You know, they're the killers. Um, Yeah, that is true. But aren't we the people like, Aren't we the people, the ones deciding what the laws are? And isn't self-governance designed in part to restrain those whose moral intuitions are like sinful? Don't we need laws constraining access to those things that people who would do what is right in their own eyes, you know, when that is flawed? Isn't that what laws are for?
2: yeah what is it is it the madison, james madison quote that said if, if all men were angels there would be no government and if all government was angels there would be no need for uh, checks and balances among the people and so recognizing the truth that we live in a very broken world that there are going to be trade offs that there is uh, there is the combination of factors of wanting to Have liberty that has been bestowed on us by God, but also out of that liberty, wanting to have the twin force of order. How do we create order uh, in a liberty, uh, in in a free society? And that includes putting restrictions and putting boundaries upon individuals, knowing that we just have certain proclivities within us that cause us to do damage and harm, not only to ourselves, but also to others as well. And so wanting to hold both of those in tension. Of one recognizing, protecting, because government is our shared project to protect the liberty that was bestowed on us by God, protecting that liberty, but also on the flip side, protecting that liberty to the extent that you don't infringe on the liberty of others. And so creating an ordered society where individuals can live peacefully and also pursue after the happiness they so desire.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's a complicated mess out there. Um, I'm so thankful for Jesus. Um, Nick, mm-hmm. as always, thank you so very much for joining us. Um, remind <laughs> people where they can find that, um, that briefing that, um, that provides that daily digest of, of all these good subjects.
2: Yeah, yeah. So they can go to thebriefing.net to find out more information on this email that's put out by the Institute for uh, uh, Global Engagement. And then they can follow me on Twitter as well, J. Nick Pitts.
0: There you go. J. Nick Pitts on Twitter or thebriefing.net online. That's Nick Pitts, fellow at the Institute for Global Engagement. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge. This is Faith Radio.
2: Never be
0: All right. You guys are asking really good questions. Um, one uh, on the text line You can text me during the show 877-933-2484. Really good question here. Uh, Maybe I misunderstood uh, this. uh, This caller says, but um, uh, abortion or the murdering of babies in the womb uh, and then this safe, legal and rare. My reference to safe, legal and rare um, in relationship to the conversation, a conversation starter or a conversation changer in the culture um, is what I'm talking about. Could we could we even get to the place where we Have the conversation that we used to have in this country Um, when on both sides of the aisle and across the um, the social spectrum, there was an agreement that that uh, there would be um, rare occasions in which abortion might have to happen, might be required medically um, or in the case of incest or rape. Like I recognize that I live in a pluralistic society and I recognize that the laws of the land are very likely not going to reach the place where every abortion is made illegal. Like, I do think that we are probably, um, in our culture, you know, the best chance we have is to get to the place where abortion is safe, legal, and rare. Rare being, you know, the operative word there. But I think safe and legal are important, guarantees, um, to, you know, for some people. So, um, having said that, um, I don't think I think we're so far from having a conversation about abortion being safe, legal, and rare, um, that it's astounding. Um, and so i'm I'm looking for a way to equip us in the conversations of the day um using language that at least people would might be able to hear or ask about, which is what you've done in this case. And so I totally appreciate that. Thanks for listening well. You didn't misunderstand. um, but we ought to have an ongoing conversation about, what kinds of words and standards we might use to bridge a conversation with people who at this point just think abortion should be available everywhere all the time for no reason at all at taxpayer expense, because that's actually um, the standard on the other side of uh, not just the political aisle, but the moral aisle as well. All right. um, Next up, Luke Moon is going to join us. Let me share one international headline with you. Um, before we jump to you know sort of what in the world is going on in the world. Luke always takes us around the globe in really interesting ways. There are an estimated 10,000 people right now um, in a uh, massive flow of humanity, most of them, many of them from Venezuela. They are making their way north from the southern border of Mexico toward the United States. Uh, They fully intend to cross the U.S. southern border. They have organized themselves during what they believe will be the summit of the Americas, But um, President Biden's invitation to the president of Mexico has actually been rejected. The president of Mexico is not going to attend the Summit of the Americas, even though the president of the United States invited him. And why is he not coming? Because he thinks key players um, haven't been invited. Uh, You know, nobody from Venezuela, Nicaragua or Cuba has been invited to attend. And the migrant flow, um, the refugee flow, those uh, uh, asylum seekers who are moving through Mexico toward America, Many of them, most of them are from Cuba and Venezuela and many of them from Nicaragua as well. So if you don't have the players at the table, uh, the Mexican president would say, what's the point of having the meeting? So he's not coming to the table, even though the president of the United States is setting a table at the summit of the Americas this week. Luke Moon is up next. We're going to go around the world to see what in the world is going on in the world. That's up next. You're on Mornings with Carmen.
1: The wise men will bow down before the throne. And at his feet, they'll cast their golden crowns when the man comes around.
0: Luke Moon is back from the Philos Project in Providence Magazine. Okay, Luke, starting out, I want you to describe your current soundscape. Describe where you are with the soundscape, and then let's see if we can guess where you are.
1: Well, well, what am I supposed to do first? Describe where I'm at or the soundscape?
0: the soundscape, just, so that pe- just, so when people hear things in the background, they'll know yes. what it is.
1: Okay, Well, it's palm trees blowing in the wind. Now, nice. It's it. Yeah, no, it's it's. Uh, actually, I had to get a little further away from them because they were so loud. It basically was. Uh, I thought you might think it was like, you know, static or rain or whatever. No, it's just the palm trees in the wind
0: and um might we hear waves or at least just la- you, lapping you, you, on the edge
1: you might you might hear some some <gasps> waves lapping yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah maybe a it, like yes
0: yeah and mm-hmm. if i were to hear birds what kind of birds would they be
1: oh gosh doves you might hear some mm-hmm. doves
0: you might hear some doves um, so um yeah. luke is standing on one of the most beautiful beaches in all of the world it's on the shore of it is a stunning place, um, and we're thrilled that you're with us today. Uh, reporting from Israel. So, in the um, where you are and what you're doing, um, what what's going on in Israel, and why are you there?
1: Well, I am here uh, every summer. We we lead a what we call the Philos Leadership Institute, and it's typically a group of uh, young professionals who are interested in the region and kind of want to go deep on go deeper on their knowledge and understanding and so we we bring them on a trip it's two weeks uh, and they meet a lot of people and and hear hear about the land kind of see the land feel the land I guess and uh, you know use that as part of you know they use it for professional development but also because they're all Christian they use it for spiritual development too and it changes their lives
0: I love that. Um, well, thank yeah. you for and, and the, um, um, special- the time we got yeah, go ahead
1: <laughs> no I, and, and our, our focus this time because it's, it's relevant uh, to to you know what's going on in the region is really a, the, it's on Islam's role in the region and really the choice that the Middle East has between uh, Islamism, you know the, the the violent form of Islam, and uh, normalization and pluralism and that's that's really the choice that that the Middle East has, and there are nations that have chosen to 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 uh be follow the Islamism path, and there's nations that have chosen to follow normalization and pluralism and so we're we're really this trip is kind of exploring those issues at a deep level
0: all right, well, so let's talk about that Saudi Arabia is moving toward eventual ties with Israel. that would be <laughs> I think a massive change. Um, but maybe you don't see it that way. Maybe you don't see it as a, is as massive as maybe others might see that.
1: Well, it, it is certainly massive. I mean, it, it it will be I mean, the fact that there are currently a series of of Arab uh, Muslim states that have made peace with Israel is is super powerful. I mean, there was I mean, there was an agreement in the 80s uh, that they wouldn't there would be no, you know, no Muslim country would make peace with Israel and here you have a series of countries that have and Saudi Arabia joining that list would be would be completely a revolutionary because it would it would shift what has been a status quo for a long long time and and like i said the 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 challenge for the for the middle east is what kind of middle east do they want i think what they saw with isis was was Islamism. And I think it just turned off a lot of people. I was talking to a pastor in Bethlehem while I was here. And he said that, that, uh, ISIS was actually a major reason why Muslims will come to, to, uh, and, and, um, and ask questions about Christianity. Cause they just don't have any idea, but they're like, I, I, if ISIS, if, if ISIS is what, Islam is, then I don't want anything to do with it. And it's, and I think that you're you're seeing that across the region, not necessarily become you know, Muslims becoming Christians is happening, but in terms of these nations and the people within them being turned off by what they saw with the with with the with what ISIS did and what what even what Iran is trying to do to, today with you know get a nuclear weapon and it it really uh, it's a It's a different day. And uh, when when Saudi Arabia is, you know, is really one of the major power players in the region, when they make peace with Israel, it it really will be uh, a monumental event.
0: Yeah, so that's a a Saudi Arabia storyline that um, I am interested in. It it looks like the president of the United States might be making a trip to Saudi Arabia, um, but then Saudi Arabia raised the price of oil. So. I don't know. I don't know. Let's talk about um rabbis in in churches. So uh it, it was my understanding that Orthodox rabbis do not enter Christian churches, but for people who watched the Platinum Jubilee over the weekend, they were certainly aware that Britain's chief rabbi was at Saint Paul's Cathedral. So what's going on here?
1: Well, there there is a you know the it is because Orthodox Jews are not allowed, as you say, not allowed to go into Christian churches. Um, but there are a few dispensations for that, and um, and one of them is if you're invited by the Queen. So that that, uh, that was the reason for that. But I've I, I've known some other Orthodox um, Jews who have it's been a part of their whether they worked for uh, the government of Israel, you know, it's. Where they they kind of get the the dispensation by by their rabbi, but it, it normally it, it you're, you're correct. It normally they're they're not permitted to go into a to a Christian church, but there are a few a few occasions where where they're allowed, and and the the jubilee was was one of them, and um, that it was it was uh, it's it's, it's kind of cool, I think.
0: All right, we're talking with um, Luke Moon. We're talking about what in the world is going on in the world. When we come back, he's going to explain to us um, what's going on in the U.S. Congress where some members are targeting Israel in visa waiver programs. What's up with that? That's up next You're on Mornings with Carmen. Continuing long our long. conversation with Luke Moon from the Philos Project and Providence Magazine, um, Luke, what's going on in the U.S. Congress? Apparently, we've got some members targeting Israel in a visa waiver program.
1: Yeah, well, there's a you know the group of uh, members of you know what's called the Squad includes uh, uh, AOC includes uh, Representative Tlaib. This one rep- includes um, Representative. Uh, man, her name is slipping, but she also represents uh, a fairly sizable. Her district has a lot of uh, Muslims in it, uh, it's, and uh, so she represents a large Muslim population. She, they, the three of them, really are challenging the uh, a an allowance for Israel to be added to the visa waiver list. And the visa waiver list allows certain people from certain nations to get into the United States a lot easier. Uh, their their visa requirements are are a lot less, um, you know, and and so it that that group if it routinely targets israel they they have mm-hmm. a they have their they're particularly focused on that issue uh and they they tend to actually cause a lot more um you know the bark is bigger than their bite because they just don't have the numbers i mean they mm-hmm. um you know it's it's a fight they can they, they, there's a group of maybe at best twenty congress people that can muster a resolution against israel which means that basically the vast majority of the others will will are are totally fine with initiatives that that are favorable (laughs) towards israel i mean the other thing really is is that you know the the argument is well it's because the way that israel treats people in the west bank and and i guess they have to figure out what what's more important like does does the Palestinian state want or like authority want to behave like a state would or do they want to actually behave like they're they're part of Israel because they, they try and play both sides routinely uh, because, you know, people from who are living in the West Bank, they, they can't actually fly out of Ben Gurion. They have to go, which is the airport in Israel. They have to go to Amman uh, and fly out of that airport. Right, because the, that that is that is the arrangement with with Jordan, um, and if it was a if it was just a if if the Palestinians were just part of the state of Israel, then they could fly out of the Ben Gurion. It wouldn't be an issue at all. So those types of things matter. Um, but the in, in, bottom line is they they really can't do a lot. It's more it's more uh, smoke than fire.
0: So um, by my count, there are 10 Jewish uh, individuals in the U.S. Senate and 27 in the U.S. House of Representatives. So um, I, I recognize that not every person who is Jewish is necessarily particularly pro-Israel. But I do think that we hear a lot about, and I think the name you were looking for was um, Representative Rashida Tlaib, um, Democrat from Michigan. Um, uh, I think there uh, there is an outsized voice given to a very small handful of individuals um, who tend to um, be very, very intolerant and negative in in their language and public speech, um, and I think it needs to it needs to be balanced by some other voices. So thank you for illuminating that issue. Let's talk a little bit about the Korean Peninsula, North Korea. I mean, I'd like to say it was shooting off its mouth, but it's not. It's like just, they just indiscriminately seem to just shoot missiles every once in a while. Um, but in, in this particular case, uh, South Korea and the United States have responded, launching eight missiles in test response and then um, flying a bunch of planes over the DMZ.
1: Yeah, it's a bit more antagonistic towards North Korea. I think that's a big part of it. the, the The previous uh, president was really was trying to do his best to, to, you know, do some reunification things and be. He was a big advocate for, for bringing uh, North and South together. The current, uh, the the current is much more, more, uh, you know, more hawkish, if you will. I think that's (laughs) significant. I think that it's also significant that, you know, um, North Korea. It hates to be out of the limelight, right? And so if they can create a story where they get back in the focus and get some attention, because if they get attention, that means the U.N. might give them some money. It means the U.S. might give them some money or make some other political arrangements. They're watching what hap- what's going on with Iran and uh, you know the, the capitulation of the Biden administration to the Iranian demands. Uh, and thinking uh oh, maybe maybe we can uh muscle in on this uh, you know this uh th- this different administration that seems completely unaware of how to run I- I- uh international affairs strategically and efficiently
0: so um uh, <laughs> we recognize that Iran has crossed a- an important threshold in terms of uranium enrichment um I mean, we're hearing from all kinds of sources that, you know, it can't be avoided. It's um, it's going to happen. It is happening. I am betting that uh, in Israel, that is much bigger news than it is here in the United States.
1: It is. I mean, it is. a. I mean, they're 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 wrestling with what what to do about Iran pretty, pretty regularly. And the fact that I think the the big fear and that's not just by the by by Israel, but it's it should be by anybody who's kind of a, uh, you know, a peace loving person who wants something better than for the Middle East other than war is, is the, uh, will be the, if, if the Biden administration chooses to lift the Iranian uh, uh, guard off the terror watch list, uh, that will be, that will really be catastrophic for uh, the people of the Middle East because that is, they are proper. I mean, like, Without a doubt, sponsors of terrorism. They they are they the major disruptors in the in the whole region. Uh, and I mean, they have they have a foothold all over the place uh, in Syria, in Iraq. It, they're they are they're not good, and they they shouldn't be li- taken off the list, but they might. And and I think there's some r- the real fear that that will happen. And I mean, listen, if Iran. Gets the bomb. Saudi Arabia will have the bomb in a week and a half. They'll go and buy it from Pakistanis, or they'll buy it from somebody. But they're gonna, they're they're not gonna like wait around because um they ha- they they have to have uh you know uh, comparable levels of weaponry. I mean that's in order to 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 reach parity with the Iranians, whom mm-hmm. they are in a proxy war with, which could be very dangerous. And um, so we should really be praying. Uh, that wisdom prevails
0: mm-hmm. peace and wisdom let them prevail absolutely let 's take a minute um, to talk about uh, to talk about China in particular let 's talk about um, the remembrance of the victims of uh, the massacre at Tiananmen Square. Sometimes these anniversaries um, arise and pass, and people around the world pay no attention. Um, but um, this it's significant to talk about uh, to talk about and continue to remind ourselves about the Tiananmen Square um, democracy protests.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it, I was I was there a few years after the Tiananmen Square massacre, and they actually there was so much blood in Tiananmen Square that they repaved it. Uh, mm. they, it was like, easier to repave it than to than to try and uh, clean all the stones off. And uh, it was it was a it was a proper it was a proper massacre. And uh, the world uh, kind of turns a blind eye because of the emphasis on on uh, trade and you know the there's money to be made in that relationship and all that sort of stuff. So it it does it is a it's a real tragedy. Uh, and and uh, the the guy who's the head of China right now. President Xi is 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 much more Mao-like in his tendency, which he's more authoritarian. Um, and I suspect we'll get a it'll be a the the future with with China and in China for for people who are wanting democracy or wanting not to have to live under the the the, you know, a, a very stifling communist regime will be it, it will be increasingly difficult. Hmm.
0: We're going to talk at the end of the next hour um, about uh, exhortations from the Chinese church. But thank you so much, Luke, for um, getting us to pivot toward the region um, this morning. Um, have a blessed time in Israel. Come, uh, come home safely. Um, you know, do, do all the good, man. Thanks for joining us.
1: All right. Thank you. Thanks, Carmen. Absolutely.
0: That's Luke Moon from the Philos Project in Providence magazine, direct from the Sea of Galilee. That's <laughs> so amazing, right? Uh, I'm grateful for technology. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. Wow. That was um that was a really good clip from Mary DeMuth in a prior conversation. It also um, reminded me that the show notes for every day are now posted as a part of the show post at myfaithradio.com. So if you say to yourself, you know what, I'd really like to know what the articles are that Carmen is talking about or a particular book reference or who was she talking with about that or what were those two people talking about? Um, all of that is now available Um, online at myfaithradio.com in the post for the show. And if you're listening um, via podcast, you're probably already seeing it because on your podcast uh, description, all of the links for the articles that we're talking about are in there. Sometimes, yes, they come from websites that have a paywall. I recognize that, but at least you'll have all the links. You'll know um, the source material that we're talking about each and every day during the show. So, um, Thanks for making that happen, guys. Um, all right. So we got another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. It is going to be robust and full. We're going to talk with Dr. Brett Nix about some medical headlines and then a really special treat. Hannah Nation's going to be here. The book is Faith in the Wilderness. It's exhortations from the Chinese church. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio.